Good morning and welcome to the Robin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Robin, so get ready to get triggered. Good morning, and welcome to the Robin Report. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank I'm you, your. You. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, the audio is working. I'm assuming it is. I'm just gonna. Don't make assumptions. Double. Ch- yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't assume uh, anything is is good. Well, no, it's working. Okay, shalom. Okay, uh, hello, and welcome to the Robin Report. Um, this is, our introductions will basically always be like this. Just so you know, uh, I'm your host, Elliot Robin. I feel like I said that three times already, as you might have heard in our intro. Uh, and with me is part of my expert panel. We're just waiting on Marshall. Um, but Adam and Daniel, how are you guys? We're doing very doing well. Doing great. Yeah. I'm feeling a hole in my heart. Marshall is not here. <laughs> so I'm waiting, uh, waiting for him to arrive. But uh, other than that, I'm doing swell. Um, just a quick shout out. Yeah. The uh, Ryerson uh, Equity Service Center is running a referendum right now. Uh, we're trying to add $5 to the student fee. Um, basically, we want to get um, the Good Food Center, the food bank here at Ryerson, and the sexual assault support line, a stable budget for better campaigns, better peer-to-peer, one-on-one sexual assault support, and um, better food and more locally sourced options uh, from around Canada here on campus to the Good Food Center itself. So if you've got about 30 seconds, head to my.ryerson.ca to vote. It's right there, yeah. And it's right there. Uh, Please vote yes if you want more information. Head to fsss17.ca or come visit us at the uh, bridge between Kerr Hall and the SLC. You can vote there too, right? Yeah, um, you can vote there. Well, we actually, it's all online through my.ryerson. There he is. There's Marshall. Oh, there it's, he is. It's all online. It's yeah. all online, my.ryerson, so uh, make sure to head to vote, and uh, I would really appreciate it if you vote yes. So Fair enough. I already did, so hopefully everybody will. Um, and here's Marshall. Here he is. Let's Here applaud he him. Comes. <laughs> Mazel tov. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? I don't well, say this sincere often. Sincere apologies for uh, my lateness. It's all right. It's all right. No, we're all tardy. It's okay. Yeah. Don't you just hate public transportation? That's what our yeah. episode is going to be on. Public transportation. What's the deal the with that? Tra- <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I thought I had extra time, so I decided to do my dishes, and then uh, oh. I did have extra time. Had the subway not uh, stopped mm-hmm. at both awesome. uh, stations for an extended yeah. uh, period of time. So let's continue back on what we were talking about with uh, RSU and stuff, yeah. so with the vote. Yeah. You basically covered most of the information regarding yeah. it, right? Because the way I understand it is to, like, um, it's going to be $5 charge per semester with the relation to inflation, which I hope it's big with inflation, the economy. Inflation yeah. is usually around 2%, so that's, it won't go I, up much if, higher. If we actually do want to talk about that for a brief moment, that's the only criticism I would say I have yeah, about the actual yeah. thing. That wasn't do, mentioned when they, like... When they first mentioned, they it, it yeah. sounded as if it was just going to be a five, $5 every fee. year. Yeah, yeah, right? But due to inflation, so I'm not necessarily concerned for me when I like, at my time here at Ryerson. Mm-hmm. It's going to be for future Ryerson students mm-hmm. seeing, like, okay, uh, maybe that $5 that worked for us very well in 2017 and 2022, yeah. it's going to be, like... Not nine bucks and stuff like that. So but I don't th- think it'd be too much. Yeah. But 
but the I, thing with that is, I that think the money, regardless, yeah. is still going to go to like a really well um, resource. So it's you, pretty good. You make a good point, but the the problem is that between now and twenty twenty two, costs in general are going to go up. Mm-hmm. Wages are going to go yeah, up. Exactly. Resources are going to go up. Tuition itself is going to go up. Tuition increases yeah, between exactly. three and five percent every year. So if you know if we're going to have a five dollar fee, mm-hmm. it's not like we can lock that in now and then have that forever. Yeah, in twenty fi- fifty, yeah. five dollars is not going to be the same five dollars it is today. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like uh, inflation is fair, mm-hmm. but it can be a little. Mis- at least they put it in there before yeah. and, and, instead of having right when you get to the vote yeah like a new vote every year to yeah. like increase funds and increase funds it, so. it, running a campaign like this is difficult oh for sure it is really difficult students that you have to like, yeah, outreach especially to with stuff. the resources that they have so, and, so I think it's going to pass I, yeah. I voted for it I was very in favor of it once yeah. I had Adam explain it to me thank you I appreciate it I'd be pretty um, surprised if it doesn't pass I think yeah. I did a pretty yeah. good job of convincing people I knew uh, more conservative people I knew who were, felt it might go against their conservative values to vote for yeah. it to vote <laughs> yeah. for because I think a lot of people felt as though it was uh, socialist esque, um, and I, I thought it's, it was. That's fair. Well, I thought honestly. it was just the opposite. I thought it was very. Uh, I think private charity is um, one of the most capitalistic things that that there is. I mean, the mm-hmm. voluntary exchange of goods to uh, to somebody else for nothing in return. I think is. Uh, I think is a great thing uh, that comes of capitalism, and mm-hmm. I think we do pay tuition voluntarily. We choose to pay tuition. And one way I explained it, now I want to make sure that, uh, since I didn't sound check, that everybody can hear me properly. Yeah, yeah we, okay, we, we got you. Um, one way I explained it to somebody is, um, you know, when you go to Popeye's and you get a chicken uh, tender platter, mm-hmm. you know, you might not want the uh, the biscuit. Um, yeah. And well, you, you, you might not want to pay for the biscuit because it might not be yeah. beneficial to you. You might not like biscuits. But if you want the chicken platter, uh, you want that university degree, you got to pay for the biscuit as well. Yeah. Um, and some people love the biscuit. Yeah. And some people, for some people, that extra bit of nutrition, those carbs are very helpful for them, and it's mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's nice very that they include the biscuit for that reason. Here. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't particularly like yeah. the biscuit, but... Now I'm, just, I'm happy to pay for it. Now yeah. I just want to go to Popeyes, but that <laughs> biscuit's so thick. I, so I eat a lot of Popeyes. Mm-hmm. I used to, and then my skin paid for it. Uh, so. yes. Oh <laughs> my goodness! My Chicken skin. tenders, black and ranch, yeah. extra crispy fries, maybe a poutine in there. Oh, you're no, you're, yeah, so you're, you're setting me up for Acne <laughs> yeah. Central. Like it was terrible. Uh, so what else did we have on the agenda? Uh, so uh, I wanted to mention this. Um, obviously, as per Spirit Live Rules and Regulations, all opinions expressed on the show are not those of Ryerson or Ryerson faculty and are only those of the individual commentators. So if you don't like crispy chicken and Popeyes, don't worry. <laughs> Doesn't relate to Ryerson at all. Um, viewer discretion is advised, though, for our topic. Uh, let's start with our recap of the week, which uh, we're going to start with Harvey... Adam, Weinstein. this was, yeah, Harvey Weinstein, you mentioned that he got some, like, ex so, agents. What's going um, on there? In my elevator up to my apartment, there's CB24 in the thing. And uh, basically, when I was up the elevator, there was a Canadian, an, an Ontario woman, uh, charging Harvey Weinstein with sexual assault. But when mm-hmm. they went to go serve him the papers, they couldn't find him. So it spiraled out into this whole sort of where's, where's Harvey Weinstein, where's Waldo type thing. And what turned up was that he hired a firm to spy for him to see where they were following him. And that firm is actually an Israeli firm. And the people working for the firm are ex-Mossad agents, oh, which is what? the uh, Israeli uh, spy force. Great. CIA. So um, I, I just found that an interesting connection to Israel and, you know, for the Jewspiracy people out there, <laughs> it all leads back. Um, the whole Harvey Weinstein scandal has sort of exploded. We talked about Kevin Spacey last week, and then now it's hitting uh, Ed Westwick. 
Justin Hoffman. Really? Ed Westwick. Chuck oh, that's Bass. Too bad. Yeah. Oh. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. I loved Gossip yeah. Girl. This I mean, it's still allegations. Ass. It's still allegations, but still. Um, it's, it doesn't matter. Like we've had this conversation before about like survivors and like sexual yeah. assault and stuff like that. Regardless if you've done it or not, yeah. the accusation alone is Can just we, so yeah. devastating. And yeah. you know what? Yeah. And uh, you're we, a monster if it, you, that actually did happen. On, on the show, did we already discuss the George H. W. Bush the uh, no. sexual harassment allegations against him? No, no. And so no, that's, that's concerning to me because looking at those allegations, I think those are complete bullshit. Um, against George, George yeah. uh, Forty One has been uh, confined to a wheelchair for the last uh, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, he groped someone. Well, he 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 patted a woman on the bottom. Um, yeah. And I mean, you have to think about the fact that he is not all there. He's ninety. He was the head of the CIA old, back in the day, right? Yeah. yeah, and he wow. is uh, constantly at about waist height of most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he—that's where his arms would be. And I mean, I, I think that he patted a woman on the bottom, whether he meant it in a malicious way, or it was an accident, mm-hmm. or it was his his mind's clearly not all there, and he. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he voted for Hillary Clinton, so obviously there's something <laughs> going on there. Um, and he just thought it was an okay thing to do. He's 94 years old and in a wheelchair, and like, uh, I mean, he's basically like a, a, I can't even say a walking corpse at this point. He, he's a rolling corpse at this point. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, he's not a threat to anybody. Like, uh, I, I think that's <coughs> ridiculous. Like, I, like, I appreciate that these allegations are coming up just so like it puts it sheds light on Hollywood and like yeah. how corrupt, like how what a bad it, place it is. But here's the thing, though, like they started, they tried putting like Adam Sandler on blast because like, it, like if you look at me, like they put like, the, like some girl he was sitting with next to like on the Graham Norton show, yeah, and he just grabs his like the knee, of, the knee, right. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, she pushes him away, and he does it again. And then mm. after she does it, like the second time, pushes away, he's like, "Okay, that's fine." Like, but like they show another video of him with Dustin Hoffman, another terrible person. We can talk about that after. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, like <laughs> he does the same thing to him and starts grabbing his knees. But people are automatically assuming that like he's trying to do it in a malicious way. Yeah. Like you said like with George I, I think some people are very touchy, and I, I yeah. think that being touchy can get creepy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that. You know, when uh, when you're with somebody who's mm. rather touchy, if they're touching you in a way that makes you uncomfortable, you tell them. And if they stop, then I don't, I, I see no harm, no, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, I mean, there's, you know, obviously... If you keep doing it, and if you sort of get around and it... And you don't get the point. You, you don't, don't get, get the, the point. Yeah. You don't yeah. get the idea. Then, like, you have a problem. It's your fault. And it's, it's within reasonable limits, of course. I mean, like... Putting your hand on somebody's knee is not too bad. Putting your hand for on for some people it can be though. That's the thing for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. And then you tell them to stop. But I, I think that that's not a terrible thing to do to somebody. Mm-hmm. No, putting your hand Object- on somebody's upper middle thigh—that's a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, or upper inner thigh rather, and that's that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, touching somebody's face, touching their knee like that—that's mm-hmm. what people do sometimes. Thing, like, it's, it's all about personal space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Um, Speaking of things that happen a lot, we have to talk about the Texas shooting now because we uh, literally just freaking spoke about shootings and then this happened again. Now, one of the biggest questions about this is this a terrorist act because he did, in a sense, have political means. He was an atheist who... An atheist Democrat, who, apparently. Who, who we don't know like, what killed Christians like, yeah. in a church. So there was obviously, there could be like a ideological, political motive. Mm-hmm. So he could be classified as a terrorist, in a sense, right? 
Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I think one accusation that comes unfairly from the left towards people on the right a lot is a unwillingness to call white people terrorists. Yeah. And I think that's um, an unwarranted accusation. I don't think that there is an unwillingness to call white people terrorists. Yeah. I think that just, it's just a lot context. of the time when these white people commit these terrible acts, it is simply not terrorism. And I really, really, as you guys know, I do not like changing the definition of words yeah. at all. And I don't like this whole changing the definition of terrorism to make people feel better about mm -hmm. a, a tragic incident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if this guy truly was killing these people because he is an atheist who hates Christians and, he, you know, maybe he's a Democrat who hates uh, Southern Baptist yeah. Republicans, then yes, that's terrorism. We don't know, though. And I'm more than happy to, well, happy is not the right word i'm more than fine with calling this guy a terrorist if mm -hmm. that is the case much like if uh, uh stephen paddock was shooting at those country concert yep. attendees mm -hmm. because he doesn't you know like yeah. republicans who are country listeners mm -hmm. um or they're perceived to be mm -hmm. yeah it's but it, we don't know that we don't know motives yet and we can't just change the definition of a word see the problem with that like i i agree with you that i think now i've sort of seen the right be okay with calling white people terrorists but that's sort of like you're being like we don't know i feel like if it were a muslim the right wouldn't have that sort yeah. of second guessing screening yeah. that's fair where they would be like we don't know they would be like boom terrorist like mm -hmm. done he's a terrorist so i feel like with white people there's more of an okay wait until the facts yeah it's a lot easier to yeah. call someone from a marginalized group yeah uh terrorist yeah. something like that as an act of terrorism. you're right and so when when we do see somebody like the manhattan incident somebody who yeah. gets out of a, a truck and screams allahu akbar yeah. and, and kills people i do think that you're right we don't know yeah but i think it's a fairly reasonable it's, assumption it's a reasonable yeah. assumption exactly but um you know as soon like, there's not even a moment to spare mm -hmm. with that. Like, I, I believe that the Manhattan attacker was a terrorist. Mm -hmm. well, maybe we need to be more precise with our language yeah. and say presumed terrorist. Yeah. Presumed yeah. terrorist. And I think that this Texas shooter was a presumed terrorist. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of mental health issues, from what I understand. He beat his wife. He beat his kids. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, was um, court-martialed to be away from them and he shouldn't have had access to a gun yeah. but somehow he did well, he was dishonorably discharged from yeah. the military and the, yeah. the problem is is that there is fine mm -hmm. gun legislation but it's not being enforced yeah. That's, yeah. that's my issue yeah. from, from what I heard also was like it was a problem with the actual database because like I forget if it was like the military or the NRA I, f I don't know how involved the NRA is specifically about it but when he was disarmed with <laughs> discharged they were supposed to put it in a particular database for gun, sto gun store yeah. owners to to do their background with checks. With gun culture in the United States, yeah. nothing can be enforced. Yeah, but mm -hmm. they didn't. But they didn't update the database, showing yeah. that he wasn't like to show like an example like in a no-fi list. The like, yeah. same example like okay, he can't buy a gun. Yeah, that database wasn't updated, so it actually gave him the ability to buy that gun. Yeah, even though it should have been um, illegal. So that's a problem with like um, proper enforcement yeah. of the thing. Like, you know, which so is crazy. I do want to um, because we were talking about uh, like shootings, Republicans and attacks and Democrats and whatever. But uh, we got a comment on the live feed to talk about Rand Paul being assaulted. And oh yeah, just like, I read about that. just like one minute to that because I also want to touch on one more mm -hmm. quick news so, story. Mm -hmm. Quickly, you know, I, I think it's good to see that people are now aware of it because I think when it first happened, I understand there was a lot of other news going on, but people didn't seem to care. And I feel like a is he a congressman or a senator now? I believe he's, he's a senator. He's a 
senator? He's a senator. A yeah. senator being assaulted at their own home is a big deal, and I know that would be a huge deal if it happened in Canada, regardless of what aisle, uh, yeah. what side of the aisle they're on. But, and Rand Paul's a well-known guy. I mean, I supported him in the uh, primary, in the Republican primaries last year. He was my number one guy. I still love him. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the way I, I think I've mentioned this before. He's a very reasonable man. I'm, yeah. I'm fairly libertarian, uh, and I think that any real libertarian runs uh, in the Republican Party because the Libertarian Party of the U.S. is the epitome of false advertising. <laughs> um, and I, I love Rand Paul, and I think it's tragic that he had uh, bruised lung and five broken ribs. Yeah. And just as it would be tragic if it happened to Paul a politician I didn't like yeah. but you know since I really like Rand Paul it was a especially especially tragic so then what was actually the scoop it, on it it just then? seems it like, like an a dispute between neighbors and this neighbor just had enough of him really they pretty they've had to they've had disputes between like uh yard trimmings and you know loud yeah. noises and things like that. I think this neighbor just just had enough of his shit and did he like, always get like um caught by the police then? yeah, yeah. Okay. It, they knew it was his neighbor the entire neighborhood mm-hmm. knew that they've been sparring for years now right. so uh, yeah i wish him all the best and uh yeah, wish him a speedy recovery yeah, he's, he's, one, of my, he's one of mm-hmm. my favorite republicans in the legislature. Mm-hmm. so so the last thing i want to touch quickly on because literally every single time our five minute recap becomes an ha- a half hour recap <laughs> the last thing very important at least to me, is that right now we're having Holocaust Education Week at Ryerson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a photo exhibit right now at the SLC, which is a student learning center. Um, very powerful. Uh, and it's just, you know, looking at those photos, it, it really um, really makes you understand that a lot of the things you worry about now are so so small and, and, and they're so unimportant because... You look at those photos and you see how many people perished, how many Jews, how many, you know, gypsies, gays, every, everyone, um, yeah. you know, uh-huh. perished uh, at the hands of such pure evil. And you just, you look at the photos and you just, um, it's, it's, just speechless. it's just unimaginable yeah. mm-hmm. that that would, um, that that would happen. And it's really, I say, beneficial to us at Ryerson that. We have, we, a, we, we have, have a Holocaust education week because, yeah. like, yeah, sorry. I think Elliot yeah. summed it up very well. Yeah, yeah. you hit it right I on the mark. much more that can be added <laughs> to uh, I'm volunteering with that. I'll be there at some point today, so come by. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good exhibit. It goes pre war, during the war, and post war, and sort of this walk. Yeah, it starts sort of like right before way. Hitler got yeah. into power. Then it goes like showing his rallies. Because I, I yeah. actually saw it yesterday, like, and Adam was there. Yeah. It was a really awesome exhibit. Like, yeah. I, I would say that in a positive way, like, showing that it really grasps um, the severity of yeah. the Holocaust and, like, shows, like, um, and the like folks the at Hillel are so nice mm-hmm. and so oh, helpful. Yeah. yeah, they're really good people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think it was all said what's so important about it, but uh, I, I think it's great that it's happening. I remember last year at the uh, RSU uh, semi-annual general ele- uh, yeah. meeting, they, yeah. uh, they had a walkout. Was a walkout it, it was a big fight by certain groups to mm-hmm. uh, who didn't want Holocaust Awareness Week to happen because of the Holocaust going on in Palestine. And mm-hmm. I mean, I oh, put air the quotes there because, you know, there's issues in Palestine with the treatment of the Palestinian people, of course. Um, I mean, I'm pro-Israel, but I'm also, I, I support Palestine as well. I support mm-hmm. the Palestinian people. But calling it a Holocaust is just such a, it's, it's not a, the right it, term. It does a lot of, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and and just this whole separate issue, but just calling everybody that doesn't agree with you a Nazi, that just really <laughs> takes out the, yeah. <clears throat> the, the real Nazis trivialize it, right? Like it just makes it just makes what 
you know the Holocaust was nothing. You know, yeah. if you call everybody yeah. a Nazi, right? Like, yeah. that's my big issue with the punch a Nazi thing and stuff. Because you know, there's there's Nazis. There are neo Nazis today. For sure. I, I would not call Richard Spencer a neo-Nazi. I would, there are people who are prominent figures of the alt-right who are neo-Nazis. I'm not trying to whitewash them or anything. But, um, I mean, when you can call him a neo-Nazi and you can call, you know, just libertarians neo-Nazis too is something I see. Or it's literally just who, someone who, who doesn't agree with you as yeah. a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Who is not a Nazi at that point? And yeah. then who is not allowed to be punched? Yeah, Everybody mm-hmm. should get punched at some point for, <laughs> yeah, one, for whatever sure. view they have. Mm-hmm. So, um... Now that we've finished that, uh, we got to go to our main topic because we got about half an hour left, half the show. Um, so starting this season on the Rabin Report, uh, we'll be having our new What the Fuck Is series, <laughs> basically take, uh, tackling a major uh, issue that's not always fully understood. On today's episode, we bring you What the Fuck Is Marxism. As I personally am not too clear myself and originally thought that it was about the existentialism of a guy named Mark, my introduction will be short and sweet. Before we start, though, remember that we are on Facebook, so you can comment on our feed and uh, we'll read your comments live on air. So the first question, obviously, what the fuck is Marxism? <laughs> I, love, I love the, um, the way properly he's doing it. But. Well, there's, there's so many elements to it that uh, I think the basic understanding that uh, we, we are taught in political science would be that it's a system based on class conflict, it's a system based on, uh, on the struggle of the working class against the capitalist class, the uh, yeah, producers the against these, um, what's the word, Adam? The bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie. No, the, the producers and the consumers. The, the proletariat. Deeps. No, no. The yeah. producers are the proletariat. They have. I mean, there's all the sorts of different words for. Well, the conflict, like the way they describe it, is between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the, yeah. Which is the bourgeois? Uh, sorry, the ruling class over the working class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very complicated though when you actually think about it. But um, history the cap- shows the capitalist. Yeah. The ca- yeah, there was. I've heard the capitalist before, dogs. That's yeah, the, the, cap- the capitalist yeah. and the proletariat. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. yeah, but like, I think with the idea behind Marxism, like it shows, like it's a very um, a strong criticism of capitalism and of like different um, uh, governmental. How, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Uh, different forms of government that's been um, created by the state. So in this one specifically, like it's. I'm trying to think of like the perfect word to describe it. It's doesn't it's it, it's positive way. It, it's trying to um, fix the problems in society by reducing the abuse of power by the ruling class and tries to spread out uh, wealth and equality through into the proletariat. But I don't think it like we've shown in history it doesn't isn't as effective. So like we've seen like crazy examples like in Russia and stuff like that, where like and it was like the USSR and stuff like that. It's not like they've like grasped like ideas from that before. Mm. The actual history behind it's pretty interesting though. though. Yeah. And yeah. So our our friend uh, Will Anderson here corrected me. It's uh it's the producers and the owners is the, the owners. I, yeah. I, I was thinking it must be more complicated than that, but now that he yeah. says it, that's what it is. I anyway, so I failed as a communist. Um, <laughs> I couldn't so, provide the word. Uh, one thing a lot of people don't realize, not only about Marxism but a lot of other philosophies, political or otherwise, is that when you say you're a Marxist or any of these other philosophies, they you have to realize that you are also espousing a lot of other views that you may not know about. Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. people call themselves Marxists but don't realize that that includes a uh, desire to 
abolish the family, abolish countries and borders, abolish the idea of inheritance. And these are things that um, they wouldn't agree come with, from um, not necessarily about uh, redistributing wealth, which I think a lot of people see it simply as. But uh, a I think that's the basic core principle that everyone thinks about exactly, when they think but of there's, Marxism. There's so much more to it. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's not just about redistribution of wealth. Um, and it, it, it's a very strongly postmodern um, ideology because it's it's all about questioning and abolishing traditional systems, traditional knowledge, um, and traditional viewpoints, I suppose. And I think that uh, when you when you talk about Marxism, people think of it as economic purely. And economic Marxism, I think, is significantly less uh, concerning to me than cultural Marxism, which mm -hmm. uh, is essentially the system that there are people who are disadvantaged and that it's everybody else's fault, namely the mm -hmm. capitalist class's fault. Yeah. Um, and uh, it takes its form in in, uh, in safe spaces, for example, um, and in... Uh, could somebody else think of another example? Because I don't want to... Of Marxism being present in the way... In, in culture, cultural Marxism. Cultural mm. Marxism, sort of the idea of nationalism being disavowed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. The idea that, you know, celebrating, you know, Canada 150. The, the, our borders, our achievements, mm -hmm. everything of that being collapsed because Marxism doesn't believe in the state, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the existence of the state, in the existence of the class, mm -hmm. of the classes and, 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 and working people and, and things it like that. It tries to destroy those, those class barriers yeah. too, but that's from like the rulers, or sorry, the owning and the, yeah. and the workers and stuff. All right. It's it's so cool. It's, so, so, it's such a touchy subject. Yeah. I, I, pokey with a stick. Come on, Adam. All right. So here we go. Here we go. My <laughs> time to shine. My time to shine, fellas. Da -na -na. So for a long time, I considered myself a Marxist. From about 16 until I was 19, I... You know, I, I still have the Soviet anthem on my phone. I, I mean, it's a good song. It's a, it's great, a good song. It's a, it's a good anthem. It's a powerful anthem. As you play that at a party? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play it right now. I, uh, I had, I had um, a hammer and sickle in my room. A very small one, but I had one. Um, and I was very proud of the idea of, of, of Marxist and Leninist ideas. I was very, uh, I was a big proponent of those ideas. I was a big proponent of the ab of the abolition of of state, of class, of of order. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what happened to me, but I you read a book. <laughs> I, I read a book. And you were red pilled. I wasn't red pilled, but I sort of moved away from that because I. I, I, I like capitalism. I'm sorry. I like stuff. I like things. I like buying things. I like owning things. I like. Don't new you like the idea of like becoming be a better person through your own merit? Yeah, I, that's what capitalism. I has like to offer, new though. stuff. I like you know? rising up. I like whatever. I like. I like a lot of what capitalism provides mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. So, what I would like to talk about Marxism and one part that I'm still very proud to to hold to my own belief is workers' rights. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in I'm in a philosophy class, philosophy of human nature, and Ooh, that's a good course. Yeah, and uh, it, it's a it's a great course. The professor that you have that I have, mm -hmm. uh, Stash, Sasha Stenikovich, very good, uh, very good uh, professor. Basically, we started <laughs> we started to learn about um, the uh, how Marx came to be, how his ideas came to be, and Marx was sitting one day in his room just chilling. Uh, 
Allegedly, I don't know, I wasn't there. And basically what the idea that he came to have was that let's say if I'm working, right? I'm working in a factory, I'm making shoes. Mm -hmm. If I work every day for 50 years and mm -hmm. I get 100% of the value that the shoes bring, the the cost like every like the, cost the, 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 net, the net the uh, net uh, profit of right. these pair of shoes. I make a pair of shoes, I get the materials, blah, blah, blah. Let's say the materials cost $40. These shoes go on to sell for 300 bucks. Let's say every pair of shoes I produce, I get $260. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the wealth I would have in 50 years? From every pair of shoes I make being worth 260 bucks. And I would make 300 pairs of shoes a day and I can't do math, so mm -hmm. whoever would like to do that, go right on ahead. But I would have a lot of money. And Marx sort of sat there and he was like, whoa, look at that. If the workers got everything from what they produced, they would, there would be a wealthy population. Everyone would be wealthy. Every, mm -hmm. Everything would work out just fine. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think because then inflation would just skyrocket and yeah. everybody would have too much money and everything would cost tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. But a loaf of bread would be like a ridiculous amount. A loaf of bread amount. would be like, like in Zimbabwe, like, $8 trillion or whatever <laughs> it is. So for me... Wasn't it like a billion marks in World War One for Germany? For yeah, it was like six, six million. Deutsch, six million. You literally like were yeah. carrying like marks, German for, marks, like yeah. in a wheelbarrow yeah. just to the pay Deutsch for mark, If you burned the Deutschmark... And you sold the ash, you would get more. more money than the actual money that you have. It's ridiculous. So Marx talks about two foundations of, of human nature. One being that production, producing things, is the nature of human essence, mm -hmm. working. Humans are nothing if we do not work. Yeah, which which it gives us, back to like prehistoric like times, yeah. right? It gives us a life. purpose and it gives us a reason to live. Because unless we do that, like everything we do, breathing is a production. We are living to breathe, and we are producing exactly. oxygen and whatever. So he he considered that the purpose. He of considered life. that the purpose of life, and, production. And producing. just out of curiosity, he had no affiliation with any religion at all. Like, he did was, he think that um, no religion I think he had was any? Raised Catholic? Uh, no, he's. Uh, it, I thought he was an atheist. He was, uh, he he was an atheist. atheist. Yeah. Uh, he was had an a atheist. Jewish family. Um, oh, Jewish family. But also, I oh, believe great. his parents. The Jewish goes even further. <laughs> I believe his parents were atheists as well. Yeah. I believe he came from a long line of uh, Jewish. But atheists. isn't that a, he was? An, I knew he was an atheist. But that's another important idea about Marxism. Like, if we're going to be removing all this idea of the state and stuff like that, yeah, abolish like, religion. Yeah, and that's a big yeah, part of it as well. Instead of like separation of church and state, says to abolish up. religion. Though? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I believe I'm pretty sure that would be part of. I the believe premise. I. It's I, a I don't want to say for sure. Yeah, but, but I do believe I, that it is part sounds of it. about right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Just so, curious. sorry, I have my notes here from the philosophy class itself. Yeah. So and basically, when you have, when you are a worker and you produce that pair of shoes that I mentioned, and you never get to see that pair of shoes being sold and being worn and being enjoyed. And you only get, you know, whatever X minimum wage or whatever wage you're being paid. You are being alienated mm -hmm. from your production. You are being alienated from your labor. Mm -hmm. So in that alienation, you lose your human essence mm -hmm. because you do not see the fruits of your labor. You do not see what your labor is producing. And in that way, you lose the uh, like you, you lose your human essence. Mm -hmm. So capitalism to Marx is the removal of human essence. Mm -hmm. And we are enslaving the worker. Mm -hmm. Do I agree with that? Not entirely. Mm -hmm. I believe that outsourcing labor and, you know, 
sweatshops and things like that are big examples of that. And the fact that I can get a, a shirt for $20 mm-hmm. when it costs $2 to make and the person making it gets 50 cents is what capitalism is and mm-hmm. is what Marx showed us being wrong. Mm-hmm. So this is how the whole sort of j- running joke started with seize the means of production. Mm-hmm. That's what he means by seizing the means of production. That we should, that the workers should have all of what they produce mm-hmm. and all of what they get. Yeah, it's like putting value in what you do. Put in like value it. in what you do. Mm-hmm. And there are capitalist companies that are doing that. Mm-hmm. Like Google. Google tries very hard to show their employees what they're producing and rewards them very highly for the work that they mm-hmm. produce. And I think Marx uh, comes from a place of uh, fundamental misunderstanding of what capitalism is. I think he thinks that capitalism comes with... Uh, capitalism is a very, very simple concept. It mm-hmm. really is. Marxism is not a simple concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very complex. And I yeah. think... Uh, Conf- That's why I'm just isolating one particular, two particular philosophies. I think mm-hmm. opposing a very, very simple concept like like capitalism with a very, very complex concept like Marxism causes a lot of issues and, and discrepancies and, uh-huh. and inconsistencies. And I, I, I think that people need to realize that uh, capitalism is simply the voluntary exchange of, of goods, goods and, and services. services. That's yeah. it. There's nothing else to it. So in terms of uh, Marxism nowadays, why has it become so attractive to young people? You literally... I like, can answer that like, question. What do you, like, what do you make of these <laughs> Marxist groups on campus? Why are so many people interested in it? Yeah, they're everywhere. The prob- literally. The, the problem with um, old conservatives, with the boomer generation of conservatives, is they are very un... And I know this, this is a generalization. I'm fully pulling that out there. But they're, they're, from what I've seen compared to uh, old boomer liberals and Marxists themselves, they are very unforgiving to young people. Oh, look at you on your phones, buying your fancy t- uh, gadgets. That's why you can't afford food. Oh, look at you. You don't even want to work for a job. Oh, look at you. You don't even want to do this, this, and this. You um, want everything handed yeah, to you. Yeah, you want every, so. You want handouts. You want, mm. you, know, you, know, you want entitlements. You want this and that. The left and Marxists will look at young people and be like, huh, you're racialized. You're suffering through a lot being a racialized mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. You are a queer person. There's you're all suffering. these intersections that you have to uh, take care of. There are a lot of yeah. intersections that the left and, and the Marxists will be like, hey, we see that. We see that you are losing yeah. out in life. So it, it, like it, I wouldn't use it as a scapegoat, but like it, use, it uses like your intersections of like every individual person as a way to understand some of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Difficulties in your life yeah. and stuff like that. So like you're you're facing race, like you're facing a discrimination not only because you, maybe you're not of the ruling class of like of the bourgeoisie, but also because like you're queer, yeah. or like you're of a particular marginalized group and yeah. stuff like that. So like, you're, you're, it, it's it's very attractive. Foster yeah, it's very attractive. It's to young very people. attractive to young people to get that pat on the shoulder, yeah, and be like, you know what? I see you. I see like you. You're out suffering, here. and I understand I your pain. I see your suffering. I see your pain. Mm-hmm. But then, then they come in, and you know what? Your pain comes from capitalism. Your pain comes from your exploitation. Your pain mm. comes your from, of your from alienation yeah. of your labor. And your pain comes from your class oppression. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that's why it's attractive because young people are like, hell yeah. So yeah. then my question is, why is it so attractive to white people? Because so, because there's always this argument like, oh, white people are oppressed. But this, you know, whatever. I haven't been able to understand that. Now, I... That's tougher. And well, I have, I have some attractive to, to white, white people. people I certainly have some theories on that, but I don't have any uh, anything concrete. So I don't want to act. I don't want to yeah. act like I'm some supreme uh, knowledge on this. But 
You're uh, a white. Supreme leader, know, right? Kim Jong Un. Yeah. I'd like to. <laughs> I speak for the entire white race. You're white. You should, know, should but, know. Come on. Um, yeah, we had a meeting about this, bro. <laughs> I want to give some background on um, my uh, related to my philosophical views on why Marxism has become popular with young people and. Hot take, um, hot take, hot take, I, hot take. I'm a big fan in. of Sigmund Freud and, and Carl Jung, and I know uh, psychology students gaff at uh, those two, and I think that, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm more knowledgeable on psychology than you are, because I'm not, but I do think that uh, Mark or Freud and uh, Jung are criminally undertaught in uh, university psychology. I fully agree with that. I, I think that they are that. dismissed as, I think oh, scared to talk about oh Freud yeah. just thinks everyone wants to have sex with their mothers. I mean, that is one idea he has, and I, I think it's a bit silly. And he, he's, you know, that was a long time ago, and he was a drug addict, and he had some silly ideas for sure. Mm -hmm. But Every Freud and Young like that, were though. geniuses, and they have such important ideas that are so fundamental to everything about psychology, philosophy, theology, and they're criminally undertaught. Anyway, Freud and Young... Uh, both talked about the uh, discontented man and how uh, the discontented man is a man or a woman or a person in a situation that they are not happy with uh, that is uh, more often than not due to their own doing, uh, their own irresponsibility or what have you. And so this uh, discontented man does not want to accept responsibility for his failures and for his situation. He wants to uh, blame it on everyone but himself. Uh, and now this is the first step into postmodernism, which is uh, uh, going against the objective truth of the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he says, no, this is not my fault. This is whoever's fault. And now with Marxism, it gives you somebody to blame. Yeah, it gives, it gives you, you not just capitalists, not just rich people, but the people who are inherently um, at more advantage than you through immutable characteristics. Yeah. So for a person of color, white people, for a gay person, straight people, for a transgender person, cisgender people. It yeah. uh, allows you to, you know, put the blame on the ruling class, yeah. and no matter what class that happens to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so <clears throat> when it comes to that, you know, as soon as you can ignore one objective truth, you can start to ignore all sorts of other objective truths. And then eventually you think that every objective truth is the product of Eurocentric um, white supremacist colonial systems um, and Institutional that nothing racism. we know is really true it's all yeah. it's all meant to put you in this bad situation that mm. not all I'm not trying to say all people in bad situations are there by their undoing um, but I do think that people in bad situations can always make their situation better um, they can't fix it. I'm not saying they can all fix it. I'm saying that there's always something they can do to make it better. Yeah. And I think that there's a in a desire to not make things better because it's not your own fault, because it's the ruling class's fault. Anyway, white people, I think, uh, are so uh, are made to feel guilty about this and not necessarily on purpose, but I think that uh, it. I would the say white on guilt, purpose being like, no, yeah. sometimes I, I, I think guilty would be worse. Some, yeah, yeah, for sure. Sometimes totally there purpose. is a lot of white guilt out there. Yeah. And some <clears> of it, I think, is is merited and some of it is not yeah i don't think you should run up to a white person and be like you're at fault for slavery but if you look at a lot of uh high power politicians mm -hmm. in the united states like bill o'reilly being like hey you know the slaves that built the white house they had food and shelter wasn't so bad be like no shut up yeah like slavery there's just, was terrible there's just, some, there's just some things that like you can't like like spin how it in dare a good you way, in you know? any way shape or form try and make <laughs> slavery a good thing yeah shut and, up 
Now, um, I have been accused of doing that, and I'd like to, uh, for anybody who's in my social identity and citizenship class, I'd like oh to clear. Oh my I'd like, god! I'd like to clear up that I was not. I wasn't there. I, I wasn't was not there. doing the same. No, 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 I'm not trying to stop tweet Marshall. Oh my god! Trying to do what Bill O'Reilly was trying to do there and say, oh, slavery wasn't so bad. Our prof was saying that slavery got worse in the last 500 years of slavery. True, and that it was much worse in the in the in the states in the Western world. Yeah. And I would disagree with both of those things. And I, I put up my hand and I said, you know, where does that come from? That's just not true. I will just prove it, you know? And so she uh, she goes, oh, uh, you know, it's... Uh, in Brazil, it was a lot worse. Well, oh, you're right. Yeah. It, was a lot, a lot, it was a lot worse in Brazil. I would argue that in America, it was better than in the Ottoman Empire, though. What? Mm -hmm. Not that any slavery is good ever. But, yeah, I but would imagine, who can like make that idea up thinking that slavery was good in some one place? I, I would imagine that you know a slave is being told, okay, you get to choose one of these places. They're not choosing the Ottoman Empire, yeah, um, because they were castrated prior to going over because they're going to get castrated anyway mm -hmm. because of the uh, the beliefs that these Africans could not be trusted around women if they had their genitals intact. Um, so anyway, I, I said, no, it's, it's not true that uh, it was worse in America. And she goes, well, we are not defending slavery in this class. And I said, I'm not defending slavery. Girl behind me goes, yes, you are. And I say, no, I mean, it, just because of the, uh, the values that are different in between the Ottoman Empire and America, the Christian values that um, ran America much more strongly at the time, uh, these slaves were fed and, and castrated less frequently and... And given medical attention and shelter, and it's not—it was terrible. And they it were educated terrible. Like, but you cannot make the claim that it was better in the Ottoman Empire. But what were the numbers in the Ottoman Empire? Eighty percent, and eighty percent what were castrated? Uh, were castrated. No, 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 numbers of slaves. Oh well, it was the biggest uh, slave trade in the world prior to them going over to Brazil. Okay, um, and yeah. it was always bigger than the U.S. Okay, um, and uh, I mean. I, I'm not trying to say any slavery is good or even mm -hmm. better, but you cannot say it was worse. In the U.S. Yeah, or if you want to make the comparison, like, in that class we were talking more about the Ottoman Empire. We didn't really touch about Brazil. And if you think about the working conditions in Brazil, like, think about it here. Like, in, in the United States, what were they doing? They were working on plant yeah. plantations, yeah. basically just bougie farms, like, yeah. really big farms. In the Ottoman Empire, what were they... I wouldn't say bougie farms, but... No, like, well, well, the, the houses bigger, were for the, the, guys, the slave the guys owners. Oh, yeah, 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 not yeah. the conditions for yeah. the slaves, yeah. obviously. No, 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 no. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> My point being is though in Brazil they were mining. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mining already itself even today in present day is a very extremely like mm -hmm. um dangerous uh, um profession, right? Yeah. So working in there they've they obviously they did not treat them like fairly and whatsoever. Yeah. And like they probably thought they, the, the amount of like people that died from like suffocation and asphyxiation working in those mines at least and they were also like producing sugar, yeah. producing sugar cane and stuff like that. That's a long process and yeah. it was a complete like um exploitation of the africans like in that diaspora that they did as yeah. well there so like from from yeah. what i know about uh, the differences between uh the brazilian uh tri slave trade and the american one mm -hmm. at some point in america they they could stop importing slaves right because they the never slaves in, in america were having children mm -hmm. but in brazil they never stopped importing slaves because they kept dying mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so and and there were so many more slaves that went to brazil mm -hmm. and the slave trade kept going a lot of the reason because of the need in brazil mm. for slaves yeah. in um, in america at some point it was generational and that's not much better either because no. you're born into slavery yeah and things but the, the 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 thing for me and i know this is unrelated to marxism but 
the the legacy of slavery in the states is much worse than the rest of the world. I think even today, um, and and especially until the civil rights movement in, in the United States, a hundred years post uh, well, the emancipation. emancipation I, w- I would disagree because uh, there are there are black communities in the states that are doing quite well. I mean, the black communities in the states are overall not doing well, mm-hmm. um, but there are black communities in the states that are doing well in comparison where, where, to where the, are the black, black states people in, in Brazil. Like, Where are the black people in Turkey? Do you know any black Turks? You ever met a black Turk? <laughs> no, no, because they they all died. They uh, they all died. Uh, they all died of uh, castration related infections yeah. and and having their ears cut off and and things like that. And they were. Uh, I'm not trying to say that slavery was better anywhere because yeah. that's a terrible way but to phrase it. But even the comparison for Brazil now, like in terms of the black population, like yeah, black people in in the United States, they're not. Yeah, they're. Thousands of times better off than black people in Brazil yeah. right now. They're all living, not all of them, but a majority of them are living in favelas, which is the poorest of the poorest communities mm, yeah. in Brazil and stuff like that. So, and if you want to talk about privilege and if you want to talk yeah. about like being oppressed like, as a group, I could see no, a lot Elliot, more. I know so, you want to get a word in, but I want to tie what I was saying back to Marxism. <laughs> anyway, right. Okay, good. I was going to um, try to get back. You know, I don't think it should be controversial to counter the false claim that uh, slavery was the worst in the U.S. And I, I think that the reason it is controversial is because of this cultural Marxism that has permeated the academic world. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially has, here in Rice, has too. completely bastardized the the academia in general and into uh, hating America because America is the epitome of the capitalist bourgeoisie ruling class. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you can say slavery was the worst in America, despite that being empirically untrue, because that's the Marxist world we are in. I'm not saying our world as a whole is Marxist, but the academic world certainly is. Yeah, in Ryerson specifically, we have all these posters now. I saw one today. Yeah, the fight back. Yeah, 100 years after the Russian Revolution, stuff like that. Today, actually. It's today, the event. Today is 100 years since the Bolshevik Revolution. You know what today is, actually? Today is one year since Trump got elected. That's just a separate thing. Oh, wow. But that's the thing, though. Like, 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 in academia and stuff like that, it's so, like... um, I just don't. I just prominent and popular right now, and it yeah. created, it just it puts capitalism as the worst thing in the yeah. world. Colonialism as literally worse than the devil. Colonialism yeah. is the worst thing that has ever happened. I will. I will. Yeah, so, talk about fine. that. But for it the rest of my it life. criticizes capitalism way too much, and then it makes people who have nationalistic ideas as the worst thing ever. Like, what's wrong with being patriotic? The, the, no, no, the then, problem right? is, is that capitalism motivated colonialism. There wouldn't That's be fine. a need for colonialism without, without the need for the goods and the resources that I would, uh, the well, West yeah, had. I'd agree with you on that, yeah. But well, I think it was inherently anti-capitalistic uh, because of the, the elimination of uh, the voluntary aspect. Um, I, I don't think that... Uh, I think it was very voluntary. The idea to seek uh, to seek new land, the, the whole idea of the fact that... Um, I forget the name. I think it was John Cabot that was on the boat, that he was on a boat near Newfoundland, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he was sleeping on a ship, and he woke up, and he was stopped outside by the amount of fish that were in the water. Yeah. And he went back to Europe, and he was like, get a load of this. Yeah. There are so many fish out that way that my boat freaking stopped, and they were like, yo, shit. It, we got to go fish over there. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is capitalist. The seeking for well, I don't well, think, I think, I don't think needing goods and resources it, is capitalistic. I think that these, these people. It. I don't think killing people to take their to seize their goods is uh, is capitalistic whatsoever. I would argue that it's more uh, akin to communism. I think that taking things at gunpoint from people yeah. is the opposite so, of capitalism. Well, like using a military force to like that's, to but control I, that sounds no, people. No, but for communism, I think that 
that would be true if it were the lower class and the upper class. Mm-hmm. If it were the, like the, the well, you could say that because like the upper class would be like the co- uh, colonizers who are more educated and stuff like that. Right. Well, and well, and the colonizers would be like the from the, like, from the natives. Yeah, so they couldn't defend would themselves. Would you would you uh, say that Stalinism is not communism? Or no, are you in that? No, world? I wouldn't say that. Because I'm, I if I want to define communism and Marxism, the Soviet Union evolved from feudalism. Yeah, mm. Marx himself agreed that communism, true communism, needs to evolve from capitalism mm-hmm. because you need wealth and goods to have an equal society and to share that way. So, and the only the best way to produce wealth is capitalism. Right. So. Uh, the Stalin government seizing the farm-produced goods from the Ukrainian farmers at gunpoint, um, I, I would say that that's very similar to what happened with the colonialism. I would say yeah. that that's, that's all very similar. Yeah. I, I, just, I don't think it uh, can be called capitalistic to seize things at gunpoint from people. I think it's No, no, I don't think that Columbus going to the Cubans and seizing their sugar is capitalist. Mm-hmm. But the motivation, the motivation to, to seek, get wealth, to get wealth yeah. from the resources is very capitalist. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, wanting things isn't capitalist. I think that capitalism no, ca- includes wanting things. Yeah. But I, I think that yeah. a lot, like feudalism, would yeah. be more appropriate, I'd say. The uh, ownership of land by royalty through force, uh, that makes more sense. But yeah, to if me. we're going to talk about feudalism and, this, and like the Tsar and stuff, like it's very like. Um, like Marxism was like an evolution of that, of like, it's like. It's a response to another type of extreme like levels of oppression from yeah. like the Russian Tsar and yeah. stuff like that, from feudalism. And no, stuff, so. Lenin rose because of oppression from the Tsar, and then after that, Rasputin, the monk, yeah, and 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 that way, like the, and the Germans. He's actually a monk. Yeah, well, oh. they called him the monk because okay. he looked like one. Yeah, but, with his like, crazy yeah. like, facial hair and stuff. Yeah. So for me, uh, the whole idea that Lenin came to power was mm. because of uh, that. Yeah. So um, nope. that that was. An excellent discussion. We went everywhere from Bill O'Reilly to slavery to co- colonialism, back to to Marxism to capitalism. Mm-hmm. Excellent discussion. I could uh, like you guys were so into it. It was amazing. I hope our viewers enjoyed it. Um, but we do have to wrap up. Um, that was our show for this week. Thank you to everyone that tuned in and that messaged us live. Um, make sure to tune in next week to our uh, show titled Colonialism, Capitalism, and whatever the fuck else we talked about today <laughs> in further detail. Um, yeah, so tune in to us uh, next week. Same day, same time, same people. Have a great day, everyone.